Hello fellow cinephiles, and welcome to a bonus episode of One More Take. My name is Demi, and for this bonus episode, I am joined by Jordana, Jasmine, and Sean. Hi friends, what are we drinking tonight? Hi, so I am drinking the same Verdejo I was drinking last episode, because it was that good, and I actually don't repeat that often, but it was inexpensive, so I bought it again. Oh, nice. Well, this time, hey guys. <laughs> Still Riesling, but now we're switching back to my good old faithful Rabiero Winery. <laughs> Just can't get enough of that wine. That's huh? right. <laughs> if we can get a sponsor, I would love some Riesling wine. <laughs> like, you won't even take money. Just send, send you the wine. wine. <laughs> send us an entire box. What about you, Sean? You mean a case? Oh, yeah. I- I am drinking one, two, three tequila. I actually believe it is under Trois tequila, but it is amazing. Oh. I'm drinking a Resposado. Right, if you are at the liquor store, it is the tequilas with the big numbers on the label. I've never seen that one. Oh, it's so really good. And you it like pr- it? It promotes itself as organic, certified organic, which I don't really care as long as it's not Jose Cuervo, but it is quite yeah. tasty, <laughs> uh, smooth candy-like finish, a little bite. What per- Everything what price range is it in? If you don't mind me asking, it is in the it is in what I deem the uh, treat yourself price range, which is in the mid forties. Okay. So like okay. mid forties yeah. for a seven fifty yeah. is a decent price. Yeah. Um, like two dollars over a Casamigos Blanco, they they'll get you That's nice on a real. Friday night. And you're <laughs> drinking it straight. Oh yeah. Ja- Jasmine, the world is very tough. <laughs> no, I just wonder because I've never had yeah. tequila straight. It's always like mixed for me. You've never, do, you've never done a shot of tequila. Well, the problem is everyone does shots of shots. tequila. Yeah. Well, but but everyone does shots of tequila, but it's the worst tequila. Tequila is uh, yeah. it's complicated, it's sophisticated, it's great flavors. Roll oh roll your eyes, Jordy. Roll your <laughs> eyes, but you know. Uh, I like tequila. No, 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 no. I don't. It's just. Well, yeah. well, uh, just to end this conversation, I am drinking a pumpkin pie liqueur from Mr. Stacks. I usually get Fulton's Harvest, but I had to um, kind of settle for this one. It's not that great, to be honest, because it's a little too sweet for me, but whatever. I'll take it. It's the fall season. Pumpkin yeah. pie everywhere. Pumpkin. It's your time. <laughs> In honor of the fall film festivals and the official kickoff to the Oscar season, we will be revisiting the 2011 Oscars in our retake segment. Specifically, we are revisiting the Best Picture category, which honor the movies that were released in 2010. Why are we doing this? Well, because we all strongly believe the Academy just got it wrong with whom they awarded Best Picture to that year. So to correct this mistake, what we did was that we took a giant spreadsheet and we started out with the nominees from that year and added others to the list, such as highest rated based on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, most popular based on box office figures and audience scores, and then our most liked films of 2010. We individually ranked our top 10 films, one being the movie we thought was the best that year. Whichever film was ranked across by more than half of us was included as a nominee. Because the nominees had to be 10 for 2011, we included those movies whose average rating was in the top 10 of the list. So, whichever film had the best average rating won Best Picture, per the One More Take podcast. So, let's dive in into why we believe the Academy just got it wrong this year, our Best Picture nominees, and then we'll announce our Best Picture winner. Alright, so let's get to it. So, for 2011, The King's Speech won. And this is a film directed by Tom Hooper, starring Colin Firth, who plays feature King George, who tries to overcome his stammer as he prepares to deliver a major speech. I'm keeping it very simple because I don't want to give anything mm-hmm. away even though this is based on I know, history. Yeah. I don't think you're going to give it too much away. It's, uh, it, it's pretty straightforward. There's no plot twist. Here. Yeah. So, Jordana, to start things off, why mm-hmm. do we think it's not the best film of 2010 and not deserving of the top price? Okay. So, I actually, I just watched this movie this week. I hadn't seen it before because... I had never felt compelled to see it. It just didn't interest me, even the hype. This was also during my dark years where I was in college and was not going to movies super often. Um, 
But so I watched it and I will say Colin Firth, excellent. The acting in the movie is excellent. But I found myself getting a little bored, you know, towards the end of the movie. It's a great, you know, there's nothing. I don't want to diminish kind of the message of overcoming a disability, which is kind of the, the core message of the movie. But I, I think if you look at the other nominees, it's such a stacked year. And, you know, I I just feel like it's a movie that even in the year where it's released, like everyone should be talking about it. And it, I feel like it should be a really memorable movie. And, you know, there are, I would say the acting is memorable. And I think that kind of carried it into the best picture. But on terms of the story, eh, I mean, I, I just don't know. It, if if compared to everything else nominated, it really edges, you know, out some of the other really strong nominees. Jasmine, what do you think? I disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I love the King's speech. I loved it the first time I saw it, and I loved it the second time that I saw it. You're right. The acting is phenomenal. Colin Firth is great. But- Jeffrey Rush, Helen Bonham Carter. They all were brilliant in it. I thought the cinematography was great. I thought the wardrobe was great. I thought the direction that Tom Hooper did, like it was, I really enjoyed this film and I loved, and and I felt it was like very heartfelt and warm and inspiring, as you said. And I liked seeing this relationship between these two characters. Like this is a story I don't think I would have ever known about if it weren't for this film. And I love seeing, I mean, of course their relationship was movie-fied and, you know, things probably didn't happen exactly the way that they displayed it, but it was, I enjoyed watching their relationship bloom and between Lionel and the King and watching how he kind of, overcame it or at least was able to uh, deliver a speech in front of all these people like with that kind of stammer he was able to do it and bring a sort of comfort to the world I mean that's what he was going to have to do for the rest of his you know kingship however long I'm not sure how long his kingship lasts he yeah he unfortunately he dies very young because of smoking oh, well, and that. that's, why, that's why we have so many seasons of the crown um <laughs> yeah, exactly. may, may, yeah. may. actually actually yeah before sean you go jasmine do you think it deserved best picture for that year though i was not mad at it i was in between two films so i no. <laughs> i i i'm gonna get okay like, framed right. for this but i was not mad at that this film won. Yeah, okay. but you, you didn't rank it number one. As I said, I was in all between right, right, two. Okay, <laughs> um, so, uh, like Jordy, I'll acknowledge that this movie has importance for reasons outside of it. Um, you know, uh, movies of, uh, that demonstrate, you know, the entire spectrum of, you know, society are important. And, you know, I applaud the fact that they made a story about a uh, king that had a disability because normally... Uh, the history is full of kings that hide that. So that part is cool. The movie itself is good. There is nothing, quote unquote, wrong with yes. it. Uh, I also love that Jeffrey Rush is in it and he got uh, some Best Supporting Actor uh, nomination. He was great in it. There's an entire generation of movie fans that only know Jeffrey Rush from Pirates of the Caribbean. They don't realize that he had a whole life before that that includes a Best Actor. Uh, he won a Best Actor in the 90s and he was... A, he he's a great artist um this movie was not the best picture of 2010 uh besides jasmine who took away my main talking point the question i ask all the listeners is if you've seen this movie how many times have you watched it (laughs) most part everyone has watched it one time and it's good um again that's not the only thing that weighs against it i also think it's kind of the last example of a bygone ear you know era that the oscars went through about a 20 to 70 year era where uh period pieces were kind of catnip to the academy um i know mm-hmm. period pieces we generally think of like the 1800s but in 40s anything to do with world war ii was you know certainly academy catnip uh you know this movie yeah. kind of reminded me of shakespeare in love elizabeth the reader kind of those kind of movies that uh tend to be english white 
tell a certain kind of story. It's just, it's exactly what the Academy wanted up until about 2010. This movie's kind of like the last example of that kind of movie succeeding in a year that it shouldn't, which up until then was kind of an Oscars tradition. So I didn't, you know, there's nothing wrong with the King's speech. I appreciate it. Uh, It's just not a best picture winner to me. It's not even in the top five. I don't remember where I ranked it, if it was even in the top 10. There's certain, if I didn't rank it in the top 10, it's not because I hate the movie. I do not. Uh, there's just nothing about it that made me ever uh, want to sit back and rewatch it. Like when we get off this podcast, I'm going to go sit on my couch, and the last movie I'm going to think about rewatching is Geely. The second to last movie is King's Speech. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I mean, I think I think we're all in agreement. I think for the most part that you know, there's another film that we consider to be better than the King's Speech and probably deserved, you know being awarded best picture but i you know i have to agree with like you know mostly what sean's been saying that like i just i mean it's a heartwarming film i enjoyed it um i just don't think it was like amazing in the sense that like that was the best picture of 2010 like it's i mean i remember it because of its story because of colin firth because of you know of its historical significance but like I don't think I remember it as like, oh, this is such a great film. I need to go rewatch it right now. Um, but actually, moving on to like what other movies were nominated for that year. Um, overall, are you guys happy with the movies that were nominated that year? Do we think that there were a few ones that were left off? Because, you know, in a previous episode, touched upon, I think Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 1 should have been included in this. Mm-hmm. And I probably think the town should have been included in this too. And maybe we knock out the kids are all right in Winter's yeah. Bone. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I saw the kids are all right and I was kind of meh on that. So I could definitely agree with just knocking. I mean, I would have loved, I think there were a lot of good comedies that year that could have gotten some yeah. love. But obviously, we know that's not even like in the realm of being realistic um so i i would be fine honestly with especially the kids are all right not being in there that was kind of a man movie the performances were okay um but i just don't yeah i don't feel the need to revisit that movie and i when i saw it i remember it feeling like it was a bit overrated that would be Um, the only other one that i've seen yeah i was gonna I was going to say, let me give everybody a refresher on who were the best picture nominees for that year. Mm-hmm. So the King's Speech, who, who won, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are All Right, 127 Hours, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, and Winter's Bone. So, Sean, any thoughts? Well, I have a previously stated position as to how many nominees there should be, but... <laughs> Uh, not, notwithstanding, uh, that I think 2010 strikes me as a fairly top heavy year. I think there's three or four movies that are really worthy of what I would deem to be the best picture nomination. And then the rest I'm kind of indifferent about whether the nominations be five, eight, ten. Um, you know, if, if you told me the King's speech would have been the fifth movie nominated that year, I would have been fine with it. Um, I'm generally fine with all the nominees because, again, like I said, when you nominate eight, nine, ten movies, it's going to be a bit bloated. But there are really, you know, three or four standout movies that kind of made up the the film narrative for that year. And I think for the most part, they're included in the uh, Best Picture nominees. So I'm generally fine with the nominees. Uh, more of a problem with who won, but uh, the nominees are fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jasmine? for me, I I mostly agree with what they chose. I think in my ranking, I kept a lot of what they nominated as my top picks. So there are a couple, I do agree with you with the kids are all right. And my, I did have a little bit of an issue. I feel like there are really strong performances for 127 hours and the fighter. I just didn't feel like the movie itself was worthy of being nominated for an Oscar like the performances carried those movies for me but the overall story like are are great and you know uh I mean someone you know chopped off their arm I mean how often does that happen I mean those are very specific stories and they're interesting but I don't 
think that they were Oscar nominated kind of worthy movies. So, but for the most part, I do yeah. th- I do yeah. agree with what movies they nominated. And maybe you're right, Sean. Maybe I, it's, it's also, bloated. <laughs> well, well, what, what I thought about when I, I looked at the ten nominees is 2010 was was an amazing year for best documentary features. Uh, just going through the nominees for that, you have Inside Job, Exit Through the uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop, Gaslands, Restrepo. Uh, those were the top four nominees. I mean, yeah. Inside Job could have been nominated for Best Picture, and I would have been okay with it. You know, given the amount of nominees that they allow. The Tillman story came out this year. I mean, that would have been a good year for uh, maybe a documentary slipping into a best picture because in my mind, there's a few documentaries in there that uh, could have been. I also think Waiting for Superman came out that year. I mean, just an incredible year for documentaries. And when you're nominating 10 movies, it it provides that opportunity for, you know, recognizing a a work that maybe would not normally be cut out. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I never even thought about that, which shows you how much the bias has affected my mind, you know, just only nominated. Well, what's interesting about 2010 is they they nominated an animated feature for Best Picture, which was, Mm -hmm. which it deserved. So the the tolerance to do it for Toy Story 3, why not, you know, other animated features? Why not a documentary every now and then if it's so warranted? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely even swap out The Kids Are All Right for Shutter Island. I feel like because Leo was in two kind of big movies that dealt with um, perception and time and the mind and all of that stuff, um, Inception kind of overshadowed Shutter Island. But I think if Shutter, if they were in a word season apart, I feel like Shutter Island would have been nominated. I don't know. Actually, it also Sean bringing up the whole um, anime animated oh, film. Mm-hmm. I I do wonder if because this year there had to be ten nominees. If it was like any other year, does Toy Story three even make it in? And I also no, I agree with you too, Jordana. That maybe if it wasn't if Shutter Island didn't come out in twenty ten, maybe it had a chance to kind of like not be overshadowed. Yeah. I don't know. But anyways, let's actually share our nominees per the one more take podcast so the four of us voted and we also had jay our current guest vote anna who also previously joined us on our episode and blaze our logo designer um and so are you guys ready i am very ready and the nominees for best picture are per the one more take podcast (laughs) hold on let me pour in no particular order here we go. Easy A, Black Swan, The Other Guys, True Grit, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part 1, Shutter Island, Toy Story 3, The Social Network, The Town, and Inception. So, what do we think, guys? Are we happy with these nominees? Are these better than the original 10? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think it's better than the original 10. And, like, I didn't even see necessarily all the movies on here. But I, I think it's a bit more diverse in terms of even there's a few comedies in there. There's a, more commercial movies. Um, I mean, I'm happy with it. And I think my I, I could have really gone either way with Inception and the Social Network. That was very close for me. In terms of, oh, look at Sean's, Sean is, no, in terms of they're both really great movies. I was just having a hard time to decide. I'm sorry, I, 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 I was just getting ready for the next segment by drinking. <laughs> okay. Oh, gosh. Were there any, were there any surprises? Uh, of I course, mean, because yes. there's, ten, there's 10 of them. There, there's 10 of them. So, like, I, I, I vote. Oh, there's 10. Sean. I know, drink. Sean brought up the 10 nominees. Um, <laughs> Like I voted, I, I voted for the other guys because it's a legitimately hilarious movie that, for me, uh, achieved what it wanted to. So if I was making a top ten list at the end of that year, is it a best picture nominee? Absolutely not. But um, you. you know, I, I I felt that way about you know I feel that way about several movies nominated every year. So Easy A, I feel the same yeah. way about Easy A. I really liked. I haven't thought about it since 2010. So to hear that you know we nominated it for best picture just. You know, again, everyone take it. Everyone are- take a drink. It should only be five. I'm done. I I I rewatch Easy A and the other guys, like 
I don't yeah. want to say frequently, but it's definitely a movie I put on and I still enjoy both of those. And I revisit They're both a rewatchable. lot more than a lot of the other movies. Right, but if you nominated. if we yeah, were going to wipe Hollywood off the face of the earth and we had to put in like I mean, the, yeah. like the top five movies from every year into a time capsule, those movies wouldn't make it. It's not going to be that. No. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Correct. Uh, well, I was going to say, I think, Sean, I think you um, probably underestimate just how much people actually enjoyed EZA. I mean, I know you don't, it's not really on your radar, but it is on a lot of people's radars. And I think, I don't know, it should be, I I'm not saying a, it should be. Yeah, it's a smart movie. It's fun. It's yeah. A smart, it's a smart, fun. But is talent. it an Oscar nominated smart, funny movie? I don't know about that. Well, you guys I mean, it, so. I mean, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's it's it was a, an original retelling. I feel like the woke guy in the audience on Green Book won. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't my fault. Uh, you know. Well, because Sean, Sean, you are very focused on there should be five, five nominees. Yeah. So then, if you can cut down our current ten to five, then what? So I would cut uh, EZA, other guys, Shutter Island, Harry mm-hmm. Potter, and. Uh, the other guys. Uh, my nominees from that list would be The Town, Social Network, Toy Story 3, Black Swan, and True Grit. That would be what I would cut. Okay. Fair. I didn't see True Grit. I like True Grit. I didn't even vote That was on it. my list. It's on the Academy's list. It's on my list. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it doesn't sound like um, a lot of people are happy with our nominees. I think it's a well-rounded <laughs> list, but I that's just me. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think don't take it like and people are enjoying film like why I mean isn't that what film is for I, for people to enjoy and to further storytelling look at Sean he's in pain too. he's, in, Art is he's in pain right yeah. now yeah wow this is why he can't be an academy yeah. okay, what, what, com- <laughs> what comedy would you nominate for best picture well I mean it depends on the year in uh, general um so I think in 2008, 2008 was a very top-heavy year because you had Slumdog Millionaire sweep everything. Um, obviously, yeah. The Dark Knight was the biggest snub, but Forgetting Sarah Marshall came out that year, and Forgetting Sarah Marshall, to me, is probably the I best comedy like, of the last really, 20 years. I didn't years. like Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I didn't like uh, it. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. Um, but it, 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 the, it just works on a million different levels. It it's obviously has a little bit of lewdness, most famously some yeah. lewdness, but for me, it's probably the best... Um, smartest comedy about uh, adult relationships and kind of the ridiculousness that goes into that and um, you know obviously there's some lighter fare in there but Forgetting Sarah Marshall to me is always kind of like that creative movie that um, you know kind of hit home in a lot of different ways was really funny and maybe was maybe a little bit overlooked uh, just because comedies in general are overlooked and then if you get beyond comedies being overlooked then definitely lewd adult comedies are overlooked so that would be one yeah I would say that's probably one of like the films I've rewatched the most, really? besides Inception and oh, um, really? Harry well, uh, <laughs> I don't. It's like an mm-hmm. enjoyable, yeah, mm-hmm. it's an enjoyable comedy, yeah. comedy. And I think, like Sean said, like I feel like it was probably a bit overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And Juno, yeah, uh, Juno, about... Juno had been nominated the year before Juno. that, which is a comedy. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, there's a there's there's a there, there's a few comedies that make it through, but most comedy, yeah. like again, when we just think of what five movies kind of define the year. Oftentimes it isn't a comedy. Sometimes it is, but I mean, again, and I know my standard is five, but even when you do uh, like 10 movies, sometimes there's just not, uh, you know, the 10 best yeah. movies of a year do not include a comedy because comedies have to satisfy a lot of different cravings for a mass number of people, yeah. as opposed to a, like, you know, like the King's speech, it's a period piece to, to make a, a good movie about that period, using those characters, using a real story, uh, it's actually kind of hard to get it wrong. Not that it's hard to, you know, not that it's mm-hmm. not hard to make a best picture winner, but to make a, a decent drama when the source material already speaks for itself is easier than creating a comedy from scratch, making it funny, making it resonate with an audience, and then also somehow threading that needle to make it uh, palatable for some award uh, season voters to vote for it. It's difficult. And unfortunately for uh, this show, uh, I don't think any of the 2010 comedies should really have made the cut even though again full disclosure i liked all of them all right guys drum roll please and the oscar goes to 
Inception! Yay! <laughs> no, no, no. Excitement. Yeah! Well, I'm excited. Well, I voted for it for number one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, Jordana's very excited. Why are you happy with this? I, I mean, I think it's, it's one of the, it was one of the best films of the year. It was one of the best films of the decade, honestly. Um, I I enjoyed it because I just feel like it's a movie you can revisit. It's very layered, right? You can go back and you're rewarded for going back because you uncover something different each time, right? I I think he proved you can have a a blockbuster movie and kind of have this complex you know movie but the audience for the most part can still understand it and then you can revisit it and yeah have it still take away something new which makes me want to go back and revisit it you know a lot more so I I feel like yeah that's why I enjoyed it and still enjoy it now Yeah, I really enjoyed Inception. Um, I think it was so creative and such an interesting concept. Um, I do, I, it was this or King's Speech for me. I know everyone is not on the King's Speech bandwagon as I am, but those were my two picks for the Oscars. And I would have been happy with if either one of them had won, uh, I was rooting for Inception just because it was so interesting and new and fresh and the visuals were amazing. But I do think that the there is characters, there's not as much character development, I guess, compared no. to the King's speech, which I feel like there's more... It was more character driven, which is probably what, well, besides it being like sci-fi and the Academy having issues with sci-fi, it was probably that was probably one of the things that kind of held it back from winning the the award. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, Christopher Nolan should have been nominated as a director for Inception. Um that's that's my fan, but I I'm happy with this one. I mean, again, King's Speech has my has my vote. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. there you go. Um, I mean, I think you guys know how much I love Inception. It's a great movie. I think, you know, for a movie with a complex storyline. I mean, I agree with Jasmine. Like, there's not much character development, but yeah. I still think, I think what makes the film so great for me and any movie that I really enjoy is like you are like you're grabbed in from the beginning and it holds your attention or captures your attention for the for the entire time and you're invested in the story you are rooting for the main characters like you want Leo to go home at the end of the day like and I think that's really I feel like the way it was written that's really what the audience should really be like mainly invested in I was having mixed feelings about Inception winning Best Picture because on the other hand you have the social network mm-hmm. um, so I ranked Inception 1 and then Social yeah. Network number 2 I agree I think they're both really great films I think probably two of the best films of like the 2010s um, so so yeah on, on one hand I'm like really happy that Inception won but also surprised um, just because like a lot of people talk about like how the social network is like one of the great films and it probably should have been the movie yeah. to have won that year but I, do I don't not. think Jasmine agrees um, yeah I love no I, I mean I agree with you Demosa I think I enjoyed them for different reasons and I so I, I think that's why I think the social network is still incredibly relevant and now it kind of looks like when it came out you're like oh wow that's so harsh and dark and now when you watch it you're like oh they were really softballing Mark Zuckerberg there yeah um, but, like, it's, still, it's just the foreshadowing and we're kind of still, and you know, how it changed the way we communicate all of these things. It's still incredibly relevant. And um, especially now, all that's come out about Facebook, about Zuckerberg. So, yeah, I think I, I enjoyed the movie. And I think they're significant for very different reasons. And that's why I had trouble picking between yeah. them. 
So I think I think Inception yeah, is interesting you. because uh, it's right after The Dark Knight. It is probably Nolan at his peak. Um, and when I say peak, I don't mean it's his best movie. I mean just at the peak of his powers coming off The Dark Knight. This was his dream uh, project. He did The mm-hmm. Dark Knight, came back for The Dark Knight Rises, apparently partially so Warner Brothers would fund it. Uh, it it's obviously creative in some ways. Uh, in a lot of ways, and it has an amazing cast, and it's definitely a fun movie to rewatch. I disagree vehemently with it winning Best Picture, and I'm going to come at this with all transparency. Nolan is probably my favorite director, and I ranked Inception number two. Inception's a great, Inception's a great movie, but I think Inception mm-hmm. is a great popcorn movie. It's actually not as deep as we think, and when you rewatch it, it kind of it, it gets a little less. I'm not even going to say less complicated. You kind of just see that it's just mm-hmm. a traditional action movie with uh, various scenes being played out in deeper levels of dreams as opposed to different scenes. Like if you watch an action movie, uh, there'll be Bruce Willis in one scene and JGL in another scene and a star, uh, the third level star in another scene, uh, all at the climax. In this, it's the same one. It's just they keep on going, quote unquote, deeper into the dream. It almost overstates the complexity of the concept. Um which I think on the first viewing makes it almost awe-inspiring, but on each subsequent viewing, unlike, say, uh, a memento uh, that Nolan did, it, it almost uh, makes it a less of a rewatch. So I think as much as I love Inception, it has not aged as well as uh, some of his h- other work. I also mm-hmm. think I see some of its flaws a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I, I think that one of the biggest problems I have with this movie is that some of my favorite performers obviously my love for leo is well known but i also stated jgl i'm holding that stock i love ellen page i love ken watanabe uh kill tom, tom hardy. hardy killian murphy all of them <laughs> there's a good argument to be made that this is maybe leo's least inspired performance and i think that goes for almost every performer in the movie not named tom hardy uh you have these great actors and, and i don't think nolan draws anything more out of them that they I think he draws less out of them that they've given in less uh, in other roles. So I, I think I have a little bit more uh, problems with this movie. It's definitely a deserved nominee. I'm happy it got nominated in 2010. Um, I guess I'm somewhat at peace with my second choice uh, winning the one more take Oscars. But I think that uh, Inception has maybe, I think it's overrated. And I, I put that as a movie. Wow. I, 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 I think it just falls, uh, you know, I, I think it just falls a little short of its grand ambition and it does have grand ambition and it deserves all the credit for that i actually want to interject because um i think also sean you come at it from you know the film came out 10 years ago so hindsight 2020 like i feel like if you were probably voting (laughs) for the academy at the time like would you have considered all of these things probably not so maybe that's like something else to consider that like maybe because you're coming at it from like, you know, 10 years later, you've had more time to revisit the film that may be like, OK, you know, this, this and that. Um, I think also we have to kind of give Nolan credit for the fact and like as Jordana pointed out, the like maybe the film doesn't have like deep themes, but I think what when it comes to like awarding a film for being best picture we also need to consider like was the film well made and i think given the fact that like yes i think maybe after the 10th watch the concept of inception isn't as like complex right but like the fact that he was you know able to kind of simplify this quote-unquote complex idea to a mass audience like i think that's something to like i don't know that's a good point yeah. recognize it for um it's not even it's not just a technical achievement either i think there's a lot working for this film um so and not just like besides the technical achievement or being able to kind of like you know present this like quote-unquote complex idea to that you know gets ingested by uh, a general audience but like the music is also great i think the pacing is also well done um the editing is well done i think the I don't think it's aged in a yeah. um in a bad way in terms of like the the CGI or any of that. Um 
oh, I'm no, missing okay. things right now. In the but cinematography. Like, there are so many things. Yeah. Cinematography, yeah. It's like there are so many things that this movie does well. And when all of the pieces that make up a film, like, comes together in the way that it came together in Inception, like, it just, it was done in a very yeah. good way. It was well done. And I feel like that's why I think Inception, like, right, still, right. like, and, and But my main, main um, stick is that we all true and that's what makes it a good to great movie it does it's a movie about uh it asks the question and i don't even know if it it meekly asks the question of the dilemma of like a simulated reality in a way that the matrix asks and explores um it's mostly just putting forth the idea that your reality could be uh, a myth as, as like a uh, vice to just create more action um, I don't think it, it it hits the and I don't I'm not sure it was meant to I'm not sure it was meant to ask those yeah. questions but that's just my point is I think it was uh, it had a lane it mastered that lane it added a little bit of like a it's like when you have a really good cocktail and you add like a citrus twist to it like the the dream sequences uh, instead of just creating you know different set pieces all going on contemporaneously make it unique give it that twist and and, and that's awesome again I rank this movie number two. Um, but I just, I, I just mm-hmm. think it's grand ambition when compared to similar movies that parallel is the Matrix, um, I, and I just mm-hmm. think the Matrix um, masters the action part of it, but also asks the deeper questions and, and delves deeper into the characters and kind of the philosophy be- uh, behind it than Inception does. Inception, I think, wants to be an A minus movie and is an A minus movie, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you, Sean. And I'm glad that you brought up The Matrix, because that's kind of what I was thinking about comparing those two, because, I mean, the stories are completely different. I mean, there's some similarities, but The Matrix does explore those ideas more fully. Yeah. And I feel like there are a lot more Easter eggs in there and that you won't catch, even if you watch it after the 10th time. And I feel like it is more developed in the matrix than it is for inception. I mean, but well, the way I, the way I, the, the way I almost thought about it, is like what we were hitting, like that, that, that idea of, of questioning your reality, like in the matrix, that philosophy and that theme is in the movie's DNA. Inception kind of wears it as a jacket. Um, like it puts it on to like kind of style it up, but it's actually not really an essential part of the movie. It's, it's a heist movie. It's actually a rehearsal a reverse heist movie because they're trying to implant something. Um, And and again, that's just another plot point. Like this whole guy's whole job is like extraction and you just hire a computer hacker to do that. I digress. So I, I'm actually, I want to disagree to a certain extent where I don't think the main theme of the film that he's trying to like really address and go deep into is the whole question of reality. I think it's more of um, Leo's, his character, his journey, and his struggle with it. So I don't think the movie is, like, necessarily trying to pose this, like, question that is, like, trying mm-hmm. to, like, answer by the end of the film. So, like, I, I understand, like, what you guys are saying in terms of like, comparing it to The Matrix, because I think The Matrix is really trying to, like, address mm-hmm. that question where I don't, with Inception, it's not, that's not yeah. the main theme. I think it's more the the character is struggling with that and that's part yeah. of like his journey. Yeah, within no, the I film. agree. I think that's a good point. I think both sides um have good points. No, just to kind of take what Demilsa said, I, I do think Inception is meant to more nudge the door open than go in and explore like the the Matrix is because it's from the narrative of this what dom and you don't know if you know towards the end you don't know if he's a reliable narrator or not right so i just uh, yeah i mean i think the bottom line with inception and, and it, i kind of came to this when i was rewatching another mm-hmm. nolan movie in preparation for a potential mm-hmm. nolan pod that i hear we're doing <laughs> on this uh platform it needs it needs to happen there's a, there's a huge <laughs> There's a Hugh Jackman yeah. quote at the end of the, not towards the end of the prestige, but in the prestige where he said, mankind's reach exceeds uh, his imagination. And I think in this case, mm-hmm. the imagination exceeded the reach. But then isn't, I feel like that's very successful. It is if, as, a, as, a, if, as a very good yeah. popcorn movie that was worthy of Academy consideration. 
I don't think of it as a popcorn movie, even though I think that's what got it like disqual. You know, I think it was penalized for being a, a financially successful yeah. summer blockbuster. Okay, Sean. So since Inception was not your pick, what was your pick for number one? So I'm, I'm so happy you asked because even though it was only nine months ago, it feels like a decade ago that we were doing the end of the decade uh, rap of the 2010s. And what was on top of a lot of people's rankings was um, a movie that came out in 2010, uh, The Social Network. And at the time The Social Network came out, uh, I actually did not love it the first time I saw it. I thought it was a good movie, maybe a tad overrated, I think. A little bit of recency bias. So I think I kind of felt that walking out of The Social Network. I'm like, that was really witty, really sharp. Not sure I get it. Let me go update my Facebook account. Um, but I think over the last 10 years, I think it, it, it's become clear that it's not just the movie, probably the movie of the decade. It's also the movie of the decade. You know, I think obviously everyone on this podcast knows what social media has kind of done over the last 10 years, where it was in 2010, where it was in 2005. Uh, and this film kind of tells the story of obviously how Facebook uh, was created. The merits of it are impeccable. Obviously, I just talked about how we maybe have a little over... Uh, overrating of Sorkin, but Sorkin's probably one of the best dialogue writers in in, in recent history. Um, so this movie works as, as dialogue. Uh, Finker, uh, David Finchner directed it. Uh, it. It's cut very well. I thought um, rewatching it a few months ago, I was uh, stuck on the lighting and the lighting and the music. Yes. Both kind of match the mood of uh, Mark. So like, um, you know, when he's creating uh, like post Rooney Mara, it's very dark. The, uh, the music's very brooding. Everything just works. You even forget that Andrew Garfield is supposed to be Brazilian. Um, but uh, be the, even ignoring all that, what's really enduring about this movie is, is not even the movie itself, but the commentary that it asserted, you know, 10 years ago, if only we looked at this movie a little deeper and realized some of the lessons, it may have better prepared us for the next 10 years. Uh, for example, what stuck out to me is the, the quote that Zuckerberg says, and, and I believe uh, Eduardo, Andrew Garfield's uh, character says, which is, we don't know what this is. Like, we don't want, know what the Facebook is. That's why we can't charge for it. That's why we can't have ads on it. That's why we can't do this. And that was true in 04 when they created it. It was true in 2010 when it came out. And it was definitely true over the last 10 years where it's kind of taken on a whole kind of life of its own and been, you know, uh, a cancer to public discourse. Uh, I know it's a strong phrase, but uh, it is what it is. So, uh, you know, just as a movie, it works. It, it came out at the right time. Um, at, a, at a time when Facebook was really blown up. I think 2010 was probably the last year where all of our parents weren't on Facebook because after that movie came out, they all were. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it kind of, it, 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 you know, kind of changed even what Facebook was. It, it, Facebook went from just being this uh, enormous social network to being ubiquitous with everyday life. Everything went on Facebook, news updates, photos, everything. Um, and, uh, you know, again, this film kind of hinted at a lot of things that Facebook was conceived in sin. Uh, Zuckerberg was fueled by blind ambition to the point where he would backstab everyone that he was closest to. And all those uh, hints, we've just kind of seen them exacerbated over the last 10 years where, you know, we see this very flawed character who's handed unlimited power. So I think, uh, you know, mm -hmm. not to filibuster too much, but um, this movie just uh, as a, from a technical standpoint, it works. Uh, Rewatching it, it's almost a, a it's almost um, a horror movie, just with how foreboding it was over, the you know, what the next 10 years would have. No, I agree with that. I mean, I just think it was it was such a biting social commentary when it came out. And then look at us now, kind of with everything where, you know, Mark, Mark is an asshole. Like she said in the opening line, she's like, it's not because you're a nerd. It's because you're an asshole. And, you know, he has proven us right. And if only we had yeah. taken that a bit more seriously <laughs> when the movie came out, because it's well, true. See, that's and, actually and... one of my issues with this film is okay. the depiction of yeah. Mark. Like, I don't, I thought Jesse was great, but that's not Mark. I don't know what character he's playing. What? Like, I've seen videos of Mark talking and Mark does not speak like that. So I don't know who he's but... based on. And then my other kind of issue with this film is that it's based off of this book. It's supposed to be a biopic. And 
it's the facts, the the sources that this person used for their books. I, I'm pretty sure it's just their guardo. And so it seems very I mean, one-sided. Yeah, it seems very one-sided. A lot of this though. happened, though. But he's piecing I mean, together I, pieces. I, like, he even said that a lot of the things that, that he... Speech, it though. was fictionalized. But, I mean, but you could even say that at the King's Speech. They editorialized a lot of it to get... To, kind of, to dr- dramatize it. I mean... So I don't really. I, I think you're defending Mark Zuckerberg when he doesn't deserve to be. Well, well I, I don't think she's defending him per se, but I, I will say, like Jasmine, it, it seems like your problem is that he's not like a a, a perfect uh, imitation, like the way an SNL character tries to get the intonations yeah. of the speech. Uh-oh. But I think the movie is beyond that. It's about it's about blind ambition and the corruption of that and. Um, there's nothing that Facebook has gone through, and this isn't a politics podcast, but there's nothing over the last 10 years that uh, has indicated to me that the social network does not at least convey a little bit of the bitterness and ambition that drives this guy. Yeah, no, that, yeah, I agree with that aspect of the film. My, I think the only thing that didn't, that kept it from resonating with me is because mm-hmm. It, it was kind of, it was like this fictional thing, but they gave it the Facebook name. So it's supposed to be like this biopic, but it's not exactly. But there are some facts in there, but it's also very fictionalized and dramatized. And it's also just, it's based on Eduardo. So of course you feel for that character because he's the one telling the story. So how much of that is true? Like it kind of gave me a little bit of the the green book effect where it's like this one person telling this story and the other side is not saying anything or, or chooses not to say or wasn't asked to say anything. So I like, I like the direction. I like the acting. I enjoyed the, the, how fast paced it was and I thought it was very interesting and like entertaining I think my issue is that it it didn't say that it was a biopic but if you put it the t- if you have Facebook and you say the Facebook and you're you're telling that story but you're not actually telling that story you're you're fictionalizing it but, a little bit well I don't think I think I don't think it was as fictionalized like what like oh i mean what what do you think was overly fictionalized just the characters in general i mean because of the sources that the author used i would say it well, leans well, I, a little more towards I, 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 I would i would say that you're you're you know i i've out of curiosity like researched some of it and, and you're right of course obviously mm-hmm. You know, literary literary license yeah. was certainly taken, but some of the more unsavory stuff was completely true. He froze Eduardo out. Uh, there's lawsuits and depositions on file that confirm uh, parties testifying to some of those facts. And then he, uh, Eduardo, still owns equity in Facebook, so it's not really. He obviously was granted some equity that... at the beginning. He was a co-creator that Zuckerberg froze out, and like the, uh, the some of the more salacious stuff, like the. Uh, the uh, hot rating scene was based on something that actually happened uh, at the beginning. So, you know, I, I get what you're saying, but it's a portrayal of, um, you know, something, uh, a very flawed character that created something great. Uh, and then it kind of flew off the handlebars. And I think it kind of nails that part. Yes. Yeah, I agree but... with that. And I, it would be I a mean... different film if it was created now. It's, it's interesting watching it now. Cause I didn't see it when it first came out, but it's, it's interesting how different Facebook is now compared to when it first came out though. Which, which is actually something that makes it even age greater for like to, to me is because when I saw it, you know, I described what it was like, but also walking out of the theater, you're thinking, all right, so Zuckerberg's an asshole. He created this great website that lets me connect with all my friends. You, you, no one, no one thought about the downside of, of a free website. It, it, it told us why it was problematic we we handed it, it was like uh handing someone yeah. evil the, the codes to the nuclear like it, it can fly off the rails very quickly and you know we he got this great website that became an information provider and it was of course going to go a certain way which it has over the last 10 years which is his pure pursuit of, of greater power because that's what he did the seven years before that yeah um so yeah 
so, so I actually think, you know, to your point, I, I actually think in that way made it age better to me because now I'm more cognizant of what the price to being a member of Facebook was back when I was a member of Facebook, back when I first saw this movie, when, you know, I would check Facebook, the movie would start, I would turn off my phone. And then as soon as the movie was over, I would get back on Facebook because it was that mm-hmm. big, you know, part of everyone's life. I feel, yeah, no, I, I agree with what Sean's saying. And I also think if, if it was so one-sided, I feel like since the movie has come out, Zuckerberg through his actions would have proven it wrong. But I feel like the way he has acted as the head of this company and the decisions he's made about people's information and how it's used and, you know, the, the information that's placed on Facebook, whether or not it's false and his complete, you know, disregard for that has kind of, I, I, he's not doing himself any favors for he, like for for dissuading his portrayal in the movie. It, it's interesting that uh, it came out the same year yeah. as the King's speech because this is a man mm-hmm. who, by his own creation, credit to him, he became a yeah. king, and he's completely abdicated all responsibility for the power that he's yeah. accrued, and that comes out in every you know he goes in front of Congress two or three times a year. And we see the news headlines two or three times a year. And this is a man who does not want to clean up the mess that his website creates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I would feel more inclined, Jasmine, to like be like, this is one-sided and all just from Eduardo. If like, A, we didn't have kind of the, the legal documentation where if you go in and you see that, you know, the lawsuit was settled and all of this stuff. And then, yeah, the way Zuckerberg has operated his business since the movie has come out. And to, and to much less important, uh, much, much mm-hmm. less important, like greater societal themes. One of the things that this yeah. movie did great, which I really appreciated, and I didn't see it until the last time I watched it, which is my third or fourth uh-huh. time seeing it, is it actually does a great job of showing the cost, the social cost of Facebook. So like in the yeah. beginning when um, he's rate, uh, sets up the website to rate the Harvard women, you see the women that get bad ratings and that effect on them. And then, you know, yeah. you, you just kind of transport that wow. ahead. You transport that ahead a few years to when Facebook obviously gets bigger and the social isolation that it kind of created um, and has caught wow. and continues to cause. And, and you kind of see that glimpse. And I thought that was incredible. And from my research, it was apparently uh, intentional and like uh, just a, a wow. great technical movie that kind of nailed what it was going for. I didn't even notice that or like remember it that. Took wow, me, it took that's, me, that's took great. me five times. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I probably wouldn't have even caught it <laughs> if you hadn't said that. So, wow. Okay, cool. That's really interesting considering how much social media now affects us negatively. Right. Because people are only showing highlight reels yeah. of their life. Well, actually, what I was going to say, I feel like the social network is like a perfect example of like, a film that probably mm-hmm. at the time should have won best picture because of the fact that it speaks mm-hmm. to like you know the times the current times and it not only like you know spoke for 2010 but it still resonates today and i think it also reminds me of like yeah um another wow. year uh the year that get out was nominated where i thought that should have won for best picture because of the fact that it speaks to the current times resonates and i feel like for me personally, um, I feel like when you win Best Picture, you should kind of like yeah. take that into consideration. Like, does this yeah. film mm-hmm. speak to when it was released? But I think what we've learned from this exercise is just how hard it is to be an Academy member and vote for the Best Picture, quote unquote. Because, like, again, art is subjective. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to mm-hmm. be objective. Yeah. Um, That's true. Well, Guys, that wraps up the bonus episode of One More Take. We are probably going to do this again for another Oscar year, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, it was a Um, good, good conversation. Otherwise, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So if you listeners out there enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You may also follow us at Twitter and Instagram at underscore One More Take. Until next time, bye!